It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Very good Monday morning to you and as I mentioned there, sunny spells today. Make the best of the weather today, folks, because it is going to get uh, a lot cooler, certainly as we head into next weekend and of course next weekend is the May Bank Holiday weekend. Saturday just gone was the hottest day of the year. Uh, the ho- hottest part of the country was in the west 20 degrees in Galway on Saturday and maybe that explained why there were so many people in Salt Hill on Saturday. Uh, Saturday. It was slightly cooler yesterday but it was still a nice, fine, uh, sunny day. So from today, the temperature starts to dip. Current indications coming from Met Air and say that the temperatures will rise slightly again for the bank holiday weekend and they say a good deal of dry weather is forecasted for the bank holiday weekend, although there will be some showers on Friday and uh, Saturday. Uh, but the we have to get through this week uh, first and this week is going to be a mixed bag. There will be some dry conditions but there also will be some scattered showers as well. But the big change for this week is a dip in the temperatures. Temperatures will start to drop from tomorrow, like they're saying 11 to 14 degrees uh, tomorrow. Wednesday colder again, 9 to 13 degrees. And they're even saying on Thursday night that we can expect a widespread uh, frost. So certainly chillier uh, temperatures across this week. So get out and enjoy uh, what seems to be the last of the sunshine for the moment uh, with some nice temperatures. Uh, John Paul taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103 and can I just start the programme by sending our deepest, deepest sympathies to the family of the young man who tragically died at the weekend, uh, Connor King and his happy, smiling face and what a handsome young man making all of the papers uh, today. He suffered fatal head injuries when he stumbled into a 20 metre blowhole and a blowhole I'm told is a cre- leading to a deep sea cave and of course it happened just outside Garrettstown. A friend who went to his rescue became trapped but he thankfully was uh, rescued from the cliff crevice. It's believed that the young man didn't see the entrance to the blowhole as he walked along the headland and it was in fading light on uh, Saturday evening. He would have celebrated his 23rd birthday this week. So much 
devastation for that uh, family. So our deepest, deepest sympathies going to the family of Connor King and indeed to his friends and even just looking on social media and reading through the papers today. Just seemed to be such a nice guy. Uh, somebody said he was one of those guys who always had a smile on his face and looking at all the pictures in the papers today, big beaming, beaming uh, smile. And I know on Friday when we were talking about the weekend ahead and on the weather was going to be so good and I know we had Irish Water Safety always on weekends like that advising people to be safe when they particularly when they head out for swims or to the beaches or to, or to the lakes. And there was a couple of what could have been near misses. There was two children, for example, got into difficulty in the waters at uh, Gary Lucas Beach. Again, that's at Garrettstown on Saturday afternoon. Uh, their parents realised what was going on. They ran to their aid. They ended up getting into difficulty. Court McSherry and Kinsale are in a lie. They responded to the incident along with the Irish Coast Guard from the old head of Kinsale. Now, luckily, there was some local surfers who spotted what had happened and spotted that this family were in trouble and they managed to rescue the family before the emergency services reached uh, the scene. And then some of the papers are picking up on a gentleman by the name of Dylan Green who is a kite surfer who was hailed a hero. He rescued a woman who got into difficulty while swimming off the coast of West uh, Cork. Uh, Dylan used his kite surfing skills to come to the rescue of the woman who was struggling in strong seas off Broad Strand. That's of course on the Seven Heads Peninsula on Friday evening are in a lie and Coast Guard officials said that but for Dylan Green's remarkable efforts to save the woman the incidents could have ended in tragedy and uh, he played down his role and insisted he responded just as anybody else would have done to help somebody in trouble so well done to Dylan Green a man who happened to be in the right place at the right time and then when you look at what was a wonderful weekend weather wise and most of us I think got at some stage to get out and enjoy the fine weather and spend time with family and people still trying to be as conscious as we can that we are still living in a pandemic but then you looked at what happened with fires over the weekend and fire crews in the city and county battled a number of gorse fires crews from Dunmanweb, Clonakilty and Bantry were all called to a significant forest fire at Ship Lake Dunmanway. They were assisted by the Irish Irish Air Corps. The fire was thankfully brought under control yesterday evening but there was reports of a lot of smoke in the area following the blaze and I saw some pictures, some of the pictures in the paper today but I saw some pictures that I actually retweeted uh, one of them on over the weekend on social media and just, just devastating to see the land when it's totally burnt and totally uh, scorched in Shiplake in Dunmanway and then of course outside of Cork emergency services and they're continuing to deal with significant fires at Killarney National Park. There was also ones going on in the mountains of Mourne at the other end of the country. The fires occurred during an orange high risk forest fire warning which was issued by the government. It came into effect uh, last week actually on the 22nd of April and remains in place until 12 noon today. And of course people are being asked to avoid all outdoor fires and land owners are urged to obey restrictions in relation to land burning and it does seem the investigations are underway particularly with the fires with the Killarney National Park because it has devastated wildlife in the area and devastated habitat. Thousands of acres of hillside and woodland in Killarney completely destroyed including the nesting grounds of endangered birds in fires that have burnt now for three days and controlled burning 
is allowed for agricultural purposes, but it's only allowed up to and including the 30th of March. Many fires have burnt in the past few weeks since the annual prohibition came into effect. And for whatever reason, farmers didn't get to burn off all of the agricultural land they wanted to do. And some of them are continuing to uh, to burn and then some of them end up in these absolutely devastating fires. And of course, it's conditions at the moment particularly ripe for fires because we've had a drier than normal March and a drier than normal April in most parts of the country. And damage assessment in Killarney and other sites will begin in earnest today. But already uh, the conservationists have recorded the loss of birds, the loss of animals. Also, they've one includes a hen harrier nest and feeding grounds for the endangered birds and they were in Killarney Park. And then ancient oak woodlands in the park almost came close to complete destruction and the impact on the lakes of runoffs and debris from the burning ground. Of course, that'll have to be monitored and that's probably take some days or weeks uh, to assess if there will be any impacts on the beautiful lakes of uh, Killarney. And it's the firefighters. I couldn't help but think of the firefighters right across the weekend and the Trojan work that they had to put in and exhausted firefighters along with members of the civil defence, the local authorities, the Air Corps and the Gardaí who all joined forces to fight and contain the weekend fires, now urging people to stay away from any of the affected areas until they are made fully safe and please people when you are out and about enjoying whatever kind of a summer we get this year just be mindful if you are going to light barbecues or even just carelessly disregarding a cigarette but something as small as that when the land is so dry can end up in a devastating fire that can then go on to completely destroy the nesting ground of endangered birds. Only a few weeks ago we were talking about the bird population in this country and the big worry that Birdwatch Ireland have for some of our species who have gone on the red list as endangered species and the last thing we need is for the birds that are already on this endangered list that we would lose some of their nests and nesting uh, areas. So please folks uh, be careful. Now the government planning to allow up to 50 people People at mass. And I think this will certainly come, if this announcement is made later on this week, this will certainly come as uh, good news to a lot of people. It'll be 50 people at Mass and regular religious services. Now, it won't happen straight away. It's looking like it'll be from the middle of May. But you won't be allowed 50 people at a funeral and you won't be allowed 50 people at a wedding. There will be no further increase in those allowed to attend funeral masses. Now, funeral masses does change from today. They've gone from 10 people to 25 people from today. But the numbers at a wedding is not going to increase. That's still if you have a wedding at the moment and it looks like it's going to stay in place for, for some time anyway, it's six guests excluding the couple. So you have the, the couple and six guests, so eight in total at the wedding. Senior government sources accepted last night that this decision to allow 50 people at a mass but not to allow 50 people at a funeral mass, not to allow 50 people at a wedding mass is going to send out some mixed messages. But one source close to the Taoiseach I think makes a valid point. The difference is that people go home. If they go to Mass on a Sunday or a Mass during the week, in 
they go home after the mass or after after the service. But it's very different when it comes to a wedding or a funeral. If they were to allow 50 people into the church for a wedding or a funeral, what happens? Those people then will all head somewhere and they head indoors um, and they'll you know go somewhere after the event. And that's where you could end up getting what the the they would feel could end up being a super spreading event. And staying with religious ceremonies next month, the month of May, is usually the month that's set aside for a wave of First Holy Communions. And First Holy Communions, I think, happen all over the country during the month of May. They have all been put on hold. And even if they are allowed to go ahead, still there's to be no... It will be up, I'm assuming, to the individual bishops and then the individual parishes to decide whether they will go ahead So if they do go ahead, there's currently no discussion underway as to any permissible numbers. So if they do decide to allow First Holy Communions, if they might just allow it, they did did it this way last year, where it was just the parents of the child were allowed to attend. And that in itself caused uh, problems because we had some families saying, what about siblings? We had grandparents saying that they wanted to be inside in the church when their beloved grandson or granddaughter made uh, communion. So I have a feeling communions are going to be the same the ones that will go ahead because not all of them went ahead last year but the ones that went ahead last year I think it's going to be something similar this uh, year. Now no decision has been taken as yet on any of these what's going to reopen throughout the month of May. Several sources are stressing the ministers are due to decide on the relaxation of measures on Thursday of this week. The plan is, the way the week will pan out is, Neffert will will brief the Cabinet subcommittee and they'll make their recommendations on Wednesday. Then the Cabinet will fully meet on Thursday and then we can expect the announcement, I'm assuming, sometime on Thursday evening. A number of the changes then that will get announced next Thursday will kick in the following Tuesday. That's the 4th of May the day after the bank holiday uh, Monday. Now the Cabinet always meet on a Tuesday so they are meeting tomorrow but we're told they won't be addressing the issue of what's going to reopen. That will come later in the week. Minister for Foreign Affairs Simon Coveney speaking yesterday said the relaxations would cover non-essential services, personal services things that most people are waiting for, hairdressers and the barber shops. It'll cover things like museums and galleries and obviously, as we've just mentioned, religious services. There will also be some kind of a roadmap. They're going to give us some idea of what the summer is going to look like. They'll give us some kind of indications when other freedoms may follow. Although they do accept, while they give us some kind of guidelines, they do say the plans may need to change and it'll all depend, I suppose, on what way the COVID numbers go. It's widely expected that the beer gardens and outside dining, that's going to be allowed sometime in June. Again, no date of when in June. And the Taoiseach once again emphasising that it is going to be an outdoors summer no sign yet of a return to indoor dining or indoor drinking or even no indication of when they're looking at indoor dining or indoor uh, drinking. But today, of course, is another is another special day because it does mark the reopening of your outdoor parks. They're reopening to visitors. So they include the things like Dublin Zoo is reopening. Photo Wildlife is opening. I heard Leahy's Open Farm. We had that on the news. That's all reopening uh, today. Golf, uh, tennis and pitches are reopening. Outdoor non-contact sports and dance training for under 18s. That's going to be in pods of 15. That goes ahead uh, today. And Michal Martin said at the weekend that anything we're opening now 
we want to stay open. He said we want to end this start, stop, close, start, stop, close. He said many people in different sectors all saying the same thing, that if you open something like what we're mentioning today, Dublin Zoo reopening, photo wildlife reopening, people back playing golf, people want to say, okay, that's it. They're never going to close again. Leave them open. So that's why it's a very cautious approach to the reopening. And thanks to uh, Joan in Bantry sending us on some WhatsApp footage, video footage of the fires at uh, Ship Lake in Dunmammy at the weekend. Absolutely uh, devastating. Thank you for those uh, photographs, uh, Joan. And there was also a lovely text in about the weekend because many people did get out and about and enjoyed the fine weather, which which was was lovely and it's always nice when somebody gets really nice service or stumbles across something that was really good. Well Dan was on to say, Patricia would you give a shout out to Angela's Shop and Coffee Dock in Fountainstown. My wife and I went there yesterday. I forgot my mask. The lady gave me one and then wouldn't even charge me for it when I tried to pay her for it. The best toasted specials and coffee in Europe followed with superb friendly service says uh, Dan thank you for that Dan so shout out to Angela's shop and coffee dock and there's nothing like a toasted special is there not uh, Dan glad that you enjoyed it and also when I was at the start of the programme I should have mentioned this for the day that's in it the 26th day of April today is the day that the United Nations set aside as the Chernobyl Remembrance Day and today is the 35th anniversary of the world's worst nuclear uh, disaster. And I know the Greater Chernobyl Cause have organised an event along with the Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Kavanagh. He's going to attend. It's at Bishop Lucy Park and they'll have a short ecumenical uh, service. But unfortunately, due to uh, government advice regarding public gatherings, that event is closed to the public. But good luck to Fiona Corkham and the gang at the Greater Chernobyl Cause remembering this day 35 uh, years ago. And as we mentioned when we spoke with Aidy Roach of the Chernobyl Children's International, they're asking people just to light a candle today, just to remember all those lives that were lost and people who are still affected because of the world's worst nuclear disaster this day 35 uh, years ago. We will never forget them. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, earlier this year, the entire area of Mitchellstown was left devastated by the news of the death of three much-loved brothers in a tragic double murder-suicide this morning. We remember the Hennessy brothers, Willie, Paddy and Johnny, by speaking to Paddy's daughter, Elaine uh, Hennessy. Good morning to you, Elaine. Well, how are things? I'm, I'm very well. Uh, firstly, you know, once again, I know I publicly said it on air at the time, deepest sympathies to you and to your entire family. And I'm very conscious that this awful tragedy that your be- befell your family only happened in February. How, how are you all doing, uh, Elaine? Um, we're just doing, I suppose, as anyone could do under the circumstances. We're just going day by day and just trying to keep positive, really, in an awful situation like I've four children and I'm just trying my best to be strong for them really and just to kind of teach the kids that no matter what happens in life just to keep going and you know the hope better days are ahead and so there's going to be sad days but I'm just really determined for their mental health just to show them that 
you have to keep going in life no matter what happens like well done well done and often when these dreadful tragedies happen uh, a family just pulls together that's all that's all you can really do is be there isn't it for each other that's exactly it that's all we can do you know one day one of us mightn't have a good day and the next other and just to be there and just try to keep going and just try to keep positive really like you know that there is still is life there and the kids are young and just to show them that life can get better like and going back to that day, Elaine, how did you hear the news that your dad and, um, and your, your two uncles had died? Well, I actually went out and found them. Wow. And did you have a gut instinct that it was... Oh, no, no. I, my dad had a stroke previously and I thought my dad was after having a stroke. So obviously I was shocked when I went out. And to talk to me about the three brothers. What what kind of men were they for those that didn't know them? They were absolutely the nicest men you will ever meet. They were just, I don't know, they'll never be men like them again anyway. They were the best of the absolute best. They were just so easygoing. They just lived simple life. They were happy with the simple things in life. They were, my dad was just one in an absolute million. There will never be a man like him again. They were just the best men that ever walked the planet, all of them. They were just so gentle. They lived, they worked away, they'd done their own thing, they kept to themselves. They were just really good men. Yeah, because I know when you t- when anyone was speaking about them afterwards, particularly in the days afterwards, hardworking and gentle and kind. Oh, those oh, words. Definitely. Hardworking, they just, they all, my dad always kept busy. He loved sport. They all loved sport. He just loved keeping busy. He always was on the go and he just loved that. And was he recovering well after the stroke or was he finding he was, that? To be fair, he was recovering well after the stroke. He was just happy, happy to be after getting a good bit of health, really, because he loved being on the go. And like anyone after something like that, the last thing he wanted is to be held back. He didn't he want a man to sit around. He always loved being on the go. Is there a sense at times, Elaine, that none of this is real? Oh, definitely, sure. Like, in your wildest dreams, no one imagines anything this horrific would happen to such lovely people. It's, of course, it's surreal. You just It just doesn't happen, really. Like, it's like something you'd see on a documentary on Netflix or something. It's not something that you'd see in real life or especially to your own life or your own family. And the days after, I mean, getting through the funerals, that must have been a very tough period for all of the family. It was. It was very tough, but the sense of shock, I suppose, would keep you you going through those days. You go on autopilot. The kids and everything. I suppose the kids are our saving grace and all this. Do you know what I mean? They're such good, positive kids and we just really want to give them the best life going now after everything. And I know that's what my dad would have wanted, so we're just really trying to stay positive for them, like... And what age are your children, Elaine? Um, 12, 7, 3, and I have a baby, 16 weeks. Oh, God, they're very, they're very young. They're very, your, your baby is, is 16 weeks now? Yeah. So what age was your baby when this happened? Eight weeks. Oh, my God, Elaine. Wow. And, and I know you are, you're, you're so brave, by the way. You're incredibly brave. And I know you're speaking out this morning because you want to get the message out about mental health. Yeah, I just want, like, anyone suffering out there, like, you know, 
I've been in counselling myself and I just think it's so important to talk. Like, even with this situation, like, I think if you don't talk, it's not your body takes the toll. You feel the strain on your body, but talking about it definitely helps. Like, and you, you just don't even realise the weight that it lifts until you do talk, like. And, like, especially, I suppose, for men, I've I've three sons and I just want them never, you know, to be battling stuff and to be open or... Just even for my eldest son, he's 12, just to be open with your kids and I suppose try to talk as much as you can about stuff, that you have that kind of relationship that they will come to you about stuff. Do you think the pandemic and the lockdown is just simply pushing some people over the edge? It probably, I suppose, 100% is pushing people over the edge. Like people can't socialise, I suppose. Kids can't meet up for sports and people aren't just able to meet up with their friends just normal life is gone and I suppose a lot of people unfortunately probably are living on their own and very isolated and there's nothing worse than I suppose being stuck in your own thoughts and you can't just go see a doctor whenever you want like you used to if you are waiting for mental health services everything's prolonged so which puts more of a strain on people And is counselling something that you had done before this Elaine or is are you new to counselling? No, I've been in counselling with a good few years. I um, tragically lost my brother to suicide going back nine years ago, now coming up in May. And I suppose that's when I first started counselling. And I found it absolutely life-changing. I, I think everyone, even kids in secondary school, everyone should be in counselling, to be honest, whether just to talk, just to be able to talk or like learn to cope with your emotions or your feelings. Because a lot of kids don't know how to deal with their emotions and their feelings and they don't know why they're angry or why they're upset and I think coping like coping skills is brilliant and I find counselling is brilliant for that they teach you how to cope in situations Well done well well done and and men in particular it's, it's tougher for men I think we as females find it easier to talk if you know and you might have a trusted friend or easier to go and say I need help and go for counselling but it's to get that message out to men isn't it Elaine? Oh, definitely. And like, I even found that with my three sons, like even over my dad's funeral, one of the boys said to me, you know, ma'am, I'm really tough. Like I didn't cry. And I said, but like crying is tough. Like you have to cry. I said, you know, because I sometimes like I think men, even young boys might want to be strong for their mam or something. But I'm always saying it to my kids, like, you know, crying isn't a sign of weakness. You cry, but as long as you get back up again and try the next day, like, you know, there's no nothing wrong with crying. Everyone cries, everyone falls down, but it's getting back up is strength. You're a great mother. You you really are. You're you're fantastic. Stay there because I want to bring in Carmel uh, O'Gorman, who I know is organising a fundraiser, Elaine, that you're involved uh, with. And uh, Carmel joins me because uh, from Mitchellstown. Good morning to you, Carmel. Good morning, Patricia. Now, people will know you. You are a great advocate uh, for mental health and positive uh, mental health. Uh, Tell me about this fundraiser that you're getting involved with. And as I say, Elaine is involved with it as well. We've lost Carmel. Carmel's phone line is playing up on us. We'll see. I'll put that back out to to John Paul uh, to to sort out. Uh, Elaine, you're involved with Carmel on this fundraiser. You're going to do a sleep out. Yeah, we're doing a sleep out on the 1st of May. It's just like to raise funds for um, for people for counselling in the area that, you know, people mightn't be able to afford it or people might be waiting through the HSE for counselling, but they might need it sooner. So, so the emergency fund basically would be there for people 
who can't afford counselling and who would need it. And it's just, it's really important, especially even in our own area and everything, just that people have the option of getting the free counselling. Okay, stay there and I'll bring Carmel uh, back in. Have we sorted out the phone? And are you with us now, Carmel? I'm with you now. Sorry, yeah, yeah, we had a problem there. We couldn't hear. Elaine was just um, telling us that the fundraiser is for counselling and to get emergency counselling, I suppose, uh, for people. That's a huge problem, isn't it, Carmel, having access to counsellors? It is. It's a huge problem at the moment, Patricia. And I think the biggest problem is that uh, low-cost counselling is needed. You know, people aren't able to afford the full amount. So that's the reason why we are doing the fundraiser. We are doing it for Cork Mental Health, who will in turn um, provide low-cost counselling for people in the community. And waiting lists for counselling through the HSE, I mean, waiting lists for any service has gone off the Richter scale. People are waiting so long for all kinds of operation, operations and things. But for mental health, you can't ask somebody, Carmel, to go on a waiting list. No, you can't, because people can't be left with, Patricia. Like, I know myself, I've suffered from severe depression and anxiety for the last 29 years. And I think intervention is needed at the start, not when you're suicidal. You need the intervention of counsellors and uh, other therapies at the start of your illness, not when you become suicidal. It's often too late then to, you know, to go for help. Yeah, and you know, Elaine sharing her, her story and, and, you know, just talking about how counselling has personally helped her but yeah. but but trying to get across that to any young man or middle-aged man or older man listening to us uh, today it is okay to say I'm not okay Yes, that's the message I'm trying to get out with years and um, Patricia you know, um, we all have to admit that sometimes in our lives that we need help and it's okay not to be okay, you know, not to feel okay the first step really is to open up, even if it's only to a family member, and just admit that you're that you're not feeling good in your in yourself. There's nothing worse than being stuck in your own thoughts. Yeah, yeah. In your own mind, it's just it's just horrendous. So tell me about the sleep out that you've organised. It's a sleep out to see the dawn break. Yes, and we are going to release balloons at five thirty a.m. Um, in memory of the Hennessy family and all other uh, loved ones that we've lost through suicide. And it's on the 1st of May, which is this next Saturday, is it? Is that next, the first? Next, next Saturday night, yeah, next. Into, sun, into Sunday morning, yeah. And how can people, because you're doing it as a fundraiser, obviously it's a gorgeous gesture as well. And I, and I love this idea of, you know, watching the dawn, you know, the, to see the dawn break and to watch the yeah. sunrise in memory of those who have been lost to, uh, to mental health. But the whole idea of it is to try to get some funds in so that we can go on and help people. So how yes, can people donate donate money, Carmel? Well, Cock Mental Health opened a GoFundMe page. Okay. It's on the Cock Mental Health page and it's also on my own Facebook page. And I'll get John Paul and we'll share it on our on our page, uh, our social media uh, pages uh, as well uh, here. And Carmel, is there a real sense of community support for the Hennessy family? Unreal. And just listening to Elaine there, I, I, you know, I just like to say a word. Um, she's such a brave young woman. My heart actually goes out to her 
I know what it's like myself to suffer depression and anxiety. But that, that girl is just so brave. She doesn't know the extent of her bravery. Yeah, and as I said to her, her, her boys, are, her children are lucky to have her as a mother because she's, so, yeah. uh, she's so courageous. And uh, Elaine, I can see some listeners actually uh, saying, uh, Margaret has just said, thinking of Elaine, my own dad uh, died by suicide. So Elaine, I mean, there will be many people listening to, you know, hearing you uh, share your story and who have walked in your shoes. And to lose a loved one is tough enough but, you know, to lose a loved one in the tragic cer- circumstances that your family find yourself in, it's that bereavement road is very, very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's very difficult. And, like, not just to lose one family member, but there was three, like, and that's even hard to explain to ch- kids as well, like, do you know what I mean? But, like, all I can say is that we're just going day by day and we're sticking together and we're trying to, our best to be positive to think that better days are ahead, like. And are you very conscious of that community support that Carmel has spoken about and that outpouring of love for oh, all of you? It's been outstanding, like especially my neighbours um, where I live and everything. They've just been outstanding. They've helped with dinners in the early days when we wouldn't feel like cooking. Carmel has been phenomenal, just like my friends text every day and everything, the support when I do need it. I have so the best support around me, to be honest. I, I couldn't be any any luckier. And you know the way you'll often hear with people when they've had a tragic bereavement like what you're going through, Elaine, you'll hear people say, God, I didn't know what to say, so I, I avoided them completely. If you meet someone who doesn't know what to say, is, is it okay to just say, I'm thinking of you, I just, I don't know what to say? Yeah, of course. Like, I can understand it's it, it's awkward for people and, it's an awkward circumstance and people don't have to say anything really. Like you said, I'm just thinking of you, yeah, just even chat in general about the kids and about normal life. You know, people, you don't have to be awkward about it either. It's like anyone who's lost anyone, no one knows what to say. And there is nothing right or wrong to say really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, lots of people saying how incredibly brave you were and people talking about uh, your your dad and his brothers and what gorgeous, honest to God, decent men they were, is how somebody has put it in a, a text. We wish you luck with the uh, sleep out, uh, folks, and hope that you get fine weather for, for it. Carmel, have you looked at the weather forecast for next weekend? Yeah, it's not great, Patricia, unfortunately. <laughs> no, it won't be too bad. It won't be too bad. Yeah. I just, what I don't want is a frosty night. There's a couple of frosty nights yeah. earlier. And what's uh, just... we'll, be, we'll be fine, Patricia. Will you? Will you? OK. We'll All right. Listen, we'll, we'll be thinking of you and we'll share up on our social media page as well uh, your fundraising. And we wish you luck with the fundraising, uh, Carmel. And uh, Elaine, continued... Uh, continue good luck to you in your counselling journey because that's that's important and no doubt that will continue but thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning no Thank problem. you so much Bye bye. Bye bye. Good morning to you both. Carmel O'Gorman there, who is a mental health advocate in Mitchellstown. But Elaine Hennessy, daughter of Paddy, 
who sadly passed away along with his brother uh, Willie and Johnny earlier this year. We think of all of the Hennessy brothers today. 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This says, Hi Patricia, listening to your show uh, this morning and your interview with Elaine and uh, Carmel, and in particular the points they raised about counselling, just to let you know that the waiting list here in Cork at the moment is between 15 and 18 months. I've been campaigning for better support structures for victims of crime at the moment. And I've been in contact with councillors and TDs and ministers. Counselling is so important and just not there for those that it's just not there for those that need it. The government needs to do more about it. Thank you for that. And someone else says, hi, Patricia, that was a cracking interview with Carmel O'Gormel. She is a mighty woman and she is a great mental health advocate in the North Cork area. I missed Elaine's part of the interview. What time is the repeat uh, tonight? The repeat goes out at 11 o'clock. It'll also go up as a podcast wherever you get your podcast from or by going to c103.ie that's after the show uh, this afternoon the podcast of the show uh, goes uh, uh, up and John Paul says we've put it up on our Twitter and our Facebook uh, feed a link to the fundraising that Elaine and Carmel are doing Uh, they're trying to raise money for Cork Mental Health and the idea is that they will be able to give counselling, affordable counselling uh, to people in their area. So if you want to help out, they're doing the sleep out to try to raise awareness around mental health uh, issues. And the most important part of their sleep out will be the raising of funds for Cork Mental Health. So you can go to Cork Mental Health Foundation to their uh, social media sites. But as I say, we also have it up on our Twitter and Facebook as well. And lots of people just wanting to send once again deeper sympathies to the Hennessy family and everyone who mentions or talks about the three brothers said, you know, salt of the earth men uh, that they were. May they rest in peace. Okay, we need to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. We'll catch up with some of your comments coming in to the programme and also in the next hour, if you have a loved one in a nursing home, there's some good news from next month. You may be able to get in to see them more often. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We mentioned earlier that today is the day the numbers that can attend funerals has gone from 10 to 25 and on funerals somebody sent in a lovely text saying Patricia how wonderful Irish people are whilst driving to Mill Street on Saturday the traffic was stopped at the cross from Derenagree it was to allow the funeral of Joan Meany wife of Tom Meany retired TD and Minister of State from there to Mill Street people stood outside their homes outside their cars unused gates ways on footpaths, all socially distant. What an absolutely wonderful sight to see and to witness the high esteem this family is held in. I thought it was very emotional. Not even That's coming from a stranger, says this uh, texter, RIP to Joan uh, Meany. And there has been so many scenes like that replicated all over the country because people can't attend funerals and we normally are very good about attending funerals and removals uh, in this country and that's all that people can do is to stand outside their homes or to line the route that the hearse takes from usually the place of the person's home 
to the to the church and people have turned out in huge numbers all as the sister said uh, socially distanced and you are right it is it's very emotional to witness it and I think it must and does give great comfort to families to see how well respected the loved one that they're saying goodbye to how, how well respected they were in their local community so well done to the uh, people of Mill Street who turned out in, looks like by that text in great numbers for the late uh, Joan Meany and John in Blackpool is a happy man he says hi Patricia I got my vaccine last Friday in City Hall the nurse and the security staff were absolutely brilliant I felt a bit off at the weekend now I'll be honest with you but I'm grand now my question is how safe am I now after my first vaccine well John you're on the road to being fully vaccinated I saw a research piece that has come out. Obviously, there's a lot of work going on in the UK because of the numbers of people that have been vaccinated in the UK. And a study has found that 21 days after a single dose of either the AstraZeneca or the Pfizer vaccine, the rates of COVID-19 falls by 65% and that's after uh, just three uh, weeks. Now, the HSE will tell you that you you obviously, you know, you need to get two doses of your AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, But the HSE except that it takes three weeks after getting the first dose for it to start to work. But according to the study that's come out of the UK after the three weeks you're about 65% protected which is uh, fantastic and research so far shows that protection after the first dose lasts for at least 16 weeks and the way we're doing it, doing it here after 12 weeks you go back and you get your second dose and then it takes second it takes 15 days after the second jab for you to be fully vaccinated. So you still have to look after yourself, John, but you certainly are on the road to being fully vaccinated. But from about three weeks out, the protection really starts to uh, kick in. But look after yourself. You still have to do all the social distancing and the mask wearing and all of that. And actually at the weekend, we reached the milestone of one million first doses of COVID-19 vaccinations. And I saw the Taoiseach, uh, Michal Martin, tweeting when he made the announcement. He seemed uh, very excited about it uh, when he'd been informed by the HSE that the one millionth first dose of the COVID vaccine had been given out and, and he went on to say you know and praise the great work of all of the vaccination teams and, and the GPs across the country and as you know John puts it everyone that was involved with him getting the vaccination in City Hall all fantastic just absolutely brilliant and we're hearing that so much and I think it's fantastic to hear that from people when they come back and say how well they were looked after when they went either to a vaccination centre or went to their uh, local uh, GP now we've but but while we celebrate the fact that we now have a million uh, people and while I was watching the tweets coming in from Michal Martin and it is great that we have a million people vaccinated but I just happened to have Sky News on in the background and they've got a kind of a rolling figure of how many people have been vaccinated in the UK and they are up to 33.5 million people have received their first dose in the UK with 15.5 million have got their second jab which means they are fully vaccinated. Huge, huge sums but of course in contrast to what's going on in Britain, we here in Ireland, our vaccination programme, it's been dogged by supply uh, issues, particularly when it comes to AstraZeneca. And then it was also hit by the concerns about this rare blood clotting uh, event. And that then, of course, led to the restrictions that are in place on uh, AstraZeneca. However, there was a bit of good
good news last week. I was trying to find good news, particularly when it comes to the vaccinations. Uh, the over half a million extra Pfizer jabs are coming. That's going to be over the next number of months. They're not arriving, unfortunately, on our shores this week. But that is a little bit of uh, good news. Ireland has now also been given about 400,000 second doses of COVID-19 vaccines. So we're getting there. We are getting there slowly, but uh, surely. And actually, the Taoiseach, Nihal Martin, he is 60. So he's entitled to register for the AstraZeneca on the age group. He's going to he's going to register this uh, week and he's uh, looking forward to getting his AstraZeneca. He said, I'm looking forward uh, to registering and getting that vaccine when the date arrives. And he says the evidence is strong in relation to AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson that the benefits far outweigh the risks. So he has no qualms at all about taking his AstraZeneca jab when his turn is uh, called. Now, some people were out over the weekend and not too pleased. Mary in Carrigaline headed to Kinsale, beautiful Kinsale at the weekend. And she said the public toilets in Kinsale were dreadful at the weekend. Were you in Kinsale? Did you notice the public toilets? Mary said at one stage there was a huge crowd of people in Kinsale at the time that she was there and there was actually a queue heading into it. Because there's obviously only, I'm assuming, one set of public toilets in Kinsale but she according to Mary one of the public toilets was blocked so when people were queuing and then they went up so that obviously added to the length of the I don't know how many public toilets there are but if one of them is blocked you can imagine the state inside in the public lose and this huge number of people and when you need to go you need to go and we've discussed this a number of times on the programme with the cafes the restaurants, the hotels, all closed places that you normally would be able to go in and uh, we'll have some lunch and we'll go to the toilet at the same time or we'll go have a cup of coffee or some afternoon tea. Uh, you know, you'd all of these places open. Actually, I saw a piece um, from uh, coming from Dublin where the Dublin City Council were have decided to open up and give access to public toilets in 22 buildings around Dublin City. They're including things like sports halls, libraries, but they're also going to open up City Hall on Dame Street in uh, Dublin. They say they're going to open the buildings on a toilet-only basis uh, to help offer relief for citizens because they're accepting the cafes and the pubs are all closed and people are out and about. And when you've got fine weather, people are out and about. So the public toilets in the the public buildings are open seven days a week from today. They say appropriate queuing, social distancing and cleaning regimes will be put in place and they said usage will be monitored and reviewed on an ongoing basis and obviously if you're going to open up buildings like that you are going to have to have cleaning staff there you are going to have to have people monitoring it because if you don't what Mary and Carrigaline has described happened in Kinsale is going to happen in a lot more public toilets that you get a toilet blocked and if there's nobody there to monitor it and to call in a plumber to sort it out you're going to end up with it being in awful, dreadful, dreadful conditions. So I don't know how other people managed. How did they get on when they were out and about? What were the toilets like in the area where you were? And then somebody says, morning, uh, Patricia, as you can see from this photograph, somebody sent down a WhatsApp photograph. I can see cans and bottles in the photograph. This is a photograph that was taken on the Corkscrew Road in Bandon. The amount of cans, uh, cans of paint tins Drinking cans, cardboard boxes, household rubbish is crazy now. They are, they were turning to, they were trying to burn it. 
where will this all end? It's a very busy, narrow road. Someone is doing this. Please, would you ask them to stop burning the rubbish on our patch? As uh, Please take it to a recycling centre. And those paint tins could certainly be taken to a recycling centre. Any of those empty drink, drink cans. And I'm just looking at the photograph now more closely. Let me open it up so I can see. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, so it was somebody dumped the rubbish and then decided, well, we shouldn't be dumping rubbish here. So do you know what we'll do? We'll burn it instead. God, the mentality of it. And then that means somebody locally there or the council are going to have to go out and uh, tidy it up. That really is absolutely shameful. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. A general operative is required. It's for the mid-cork area. It's for power washing, painting and general cleaning. While full and part-time food production operatives are required, that's for work in Skibbereen. Previous food experience desirable, but not essential as full training will be provided. And a reliable childbinder is required. You'll be asked to work two to three days per week and it's in the Mallow area. References are required. And a gate person is wanted. That's for work in the Balancholic area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now with the country beginning to see an impact of vaccinations among people prioritised for the jab, the news that residents in long-term residential care facilities are to be allowed extra visitors from next month is very, very welcomed. Joining me with further details, Ty Daly, CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland. Good morning to you, Ty. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're very welcome. Now, how many you, visits David. can nursing home residents currently have and how is all of that going? Yeah, the current uh, visitor guidance was adopted uh, just after Patrick's Day and it, it was um, valid from the 22nd of March and that was two visits per week. And yeah, the feedback from everybody is that it's going very, very well. I suppose there's still a high degree of caution in the sector. Uh, but the, the, as I said, the feedback generally is, is, is very positive. I imagine tough on the nursing homes. There's a lot of work goes into this because I take it it's not throwing the front door open. It's a booking system, is it? Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's the, the challenge. I suppose what we need to do now here is move incrementally and, and continue to move incrementally. But yeah, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, it, it is demanding uh, from the nursing home point of view, but so, so welcome that I think people are pulling out all the stops literally to try and make it happen. In, in as in as effective a way as possible, but it is still you know communication is the key here, and absolutely it is a booking a booking system, and you know not everybody can get in maybe on the time that they wish, uh, but I know from talking to our members, and indeed from some families that have rang us our own offices, you know they are appreciative of, of the work that is being been ongoing. So the the, the Neffet on, on Thursday last adopted revised visitor guidance, and that's effective now from. Uh, Tuesday week next, which is the uh, tomorrow week, which is the 4th 4th of May. May, Yeah, And what is it? What does it increase to? Yeah, I mean, what what they're saying here basically is that, you know, you heard the term, uh, I have the the vaccine bounty. And what they're saying effectively is where there's a high vaccine coverage that is increased to four or four visits per week. Uh, and what they're saying effectively is that there's a, a large number of residents and staff vaccinated and the, 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 I suppose the litmus test there is they're saying 8 out of 10. So uh, if that is the case in, in a nursing home, then uh, there'll be four visits per week and up to two people can visit at each time. So look, it's just fantastic news uh, in reality. 
but by the same token, I suppose we're asking people to be to be understanding, as you said, of the challenges that everybody faces uh, as we as we roll roll out over the, the next while. And again, it'll be up to individual nursing homes to facilitate and to allow the four visits a week. Would yeah, I be right to say that. Yeah, like ultimately it's guidance. Uh, you know, some people are going beyond that. You know, depending on. I suppose their own facilities. Some people might be moving a bit more cautiously. So that's the point I'm making. I suppose the, the collaborative the collaborative communication really is the key to it. Do you know, um I suppose for, for, for families, you know, they do want to get back in obviously. Uh, you know, it won't be the same for quite some time I would imagine. Um I mean, you know, on reading the information from Neffet the other day, I suppose I was kind of obviously with all of that going on, you're you're so pleased to see it happen and then you read the line that it says uh, you know, the vaccine is effective, but we need to be cautious around new variants. And you kind of say, oh, my God, what are they saying here? You know, so I think what they're saying is that, you know, we have to be very, very cautious. But by the same token, given what has occurred over the last while, I mean, the vaccine has proven so, so effective. It's um, it's appropriate now that we, as I say, incrementally move over the next while to uh, further ease visitor restrictions. Um, and as you say, look, it is guidance, but I'd be confident that, and again, like, you know, some nursing homes may have, you know, uh, an exit, a different exit, different entry, you know, they might have more room. So, you know, each home has to make, I suppose, the, the decisions on the basis of what's best for, for their residents, ultimately. Yeah, I was speaking with a friend of mine over the weekend who has a, uh, a loved one in, in a nursing home mm. and um, she's back in visiting every week and is absolutely delighted. But the particular nursing home uh, where her family member is, they have antigen testing. And she, and she, she, she said, and I said, do you mind? And she said, no. And she said, you know, she said it gives me peace of mind going yeah. in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've spoken with you many times on this particular one. We, we've suggested that last year. Um, you know, PCR testing is still ongoing for, for staff. Um, and it's showing up, you know, a small number. I think there's about 51 in the last cycle. So, like, out of, you know, 60,000 swabs, 51 people. But that's 51 people that are, I suppose, told that they can't work because they may be infectious. So we've pushed the antigen testing. And um, Science Foundation Ireland, in their last report to government, said that it should be used on a pilot basis. So, uh, and I know from... Uh, I suppose in effort two weeks ago, it was mentioned at one of the press briefings that um, they would be engaging with the HSC and ourselves around the pilot. So, look, it has a role to play, there's no doubt. Um, and, you know, anything that we can do now, you know, every, I suppose, tool in our toolkit, if you like, that we can do to keep residents and, and families safe should be should be utilised in my mind. So Yeah, and I people. think anything that can get loved ones and family members in to see Absolutely. Their family. You know, it's been so, so hard on on people. And I'm always very conscious when we're talking about nursing homes, when a loved one goes into a nursing home, particularly if it's a much loved mother or father or grandparent or or, or whatever, you know, they go into nursing homes and for many of them, they don't have very long left. It's not like in 10 years time, you're going to be still going into the nursing home. And people are conscious of that, that for many of these people, there isn't a time isn't on their on their side. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, we've seen over the last while that, you know, dependency, um, I suppose, of older people, you know, the complexity of their care, the age profile means that the average length of stay has dropped dramatically. And look, that's as it should be, because people are being cared for in their own home for as long as possible, which are absolutely right. You know, moving to a nursing home and transitioning to a nursing home is hugely traumatic for everybody. Um, you know, not least the person themselves, but for their family. So, uh, you know, what we need to do now is is, is continue to 
improve on the the, the guidance of, uh, that Neffert have given us. Um, you know, four a week is is, is, is quite positive. I would suggest. Uh, and I say most it's terrific. Would be, would, it's terrific. Would be, absolutely, would be very happy with that. And I suppose, uh, you know, what we need to do then is, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, no one knows really. But you know, we'd we'd like to be in a position where you could get back to where the nursing home was literally open all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's dependent on, on so many other variables that none of us have, have control over, unfortunately. So, um, you know, the, 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 the news on, on Thursday last was, was absolutely very, very positive. Barbara wants to know, can Ty foresee the day when we'll be able to take our loved ones out and bring them out for for a day? Yesterday would have been t- typical. We normally yeah. would have bought our grandmother out for a day just to even go get an ice cream. But obviously we can't do that at the moment. Yeah, well, the the guidance speaks of that, actually, and uh, for your caller, it, it's on the HPSC website, the Health Protection Surveillance Centre website, and it does speak to that. So what, what, what in essence happens on that occasion is what they could term a risk assessment. So looking at, you know, where the person is going, you know, clearly they shouldn't be, you know, uh, mingling, as it were, with large numbers of people. So if it's in a car with somebody who's already vaccinated, obviously that's great news. Somebody in a car who, you know, obviously takes all of the public health measures in terms of face coverings and masks, etc., and maybe doesn't leave the car, as it were, in terms of going to, well, there's no hotels open or whatever at the moment. But, yeah, but even just to know, go out for a drive and, you know, stop somewhere, yeah. have an ice cream, sit in the car and have your ice cream. Yeah, no, that, that is from the four, from, I mean, currently the guidance speaks of, of, of um, as I say, a risk assessment, but from the 4th of, of May, uh, we'd be looking at a further easing of those restrictions as well. So uh, for your caller, for Barbara, I would say engage with your with your nursing home uh, and, and speak to them around how that can be facilitated and, you know, working with them to ensure that you absolutely minimise the, the risk. I mean, ultimately, you know, what we need to ensure here is that obviously that the, the virus isn't brought back into any, any facility. So, um, and clearly anybody taking a, a resident out has to, you know, follow, be uber cautious, as it were, and follow you know, even probably higher restrictions than they would if they were just going out themselves, obviously. So, uh, you know, that can be facilitated. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Lorraine wants to know, is serial testing still going on of staff in nursing homes? It is at the moment, uh, but there is, uh, I mentioned there a few moments ago, I think it was 51 cases out of nearly 60,000 swaps. So it's point uh, 0.1%. So it's a very, very low percentage. Um, so what we're, we've been engaged with the HSE over the last number of, of, of days, in fact, and weeks. And we understand that there will be, a, I suppose, maybe not a cessation of serial testing, uh, but definitely, a, 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 I suppose, a scaling down, if you like, of serial testing over the next while. Yeah. Why, were why, you surprised at those two staff members in County Loud, the nursing home, who tested positive after they were fully vaccinated? Not, not particularly, but I don't know if you picked up on the, the, the what happened the day after. Is they, they had a subsequent PCR test and they were tested negative. Ah, it was a false positive. Yes, a false positive. Ah, in that okay, case. okay, yeah. all yeah. right. So look, you know, testing is a point in time. You know, testing uh, is a tool as well. Um, so, but, but yeah, I mean, I was initially, but when you speak with public health, what they say is that be absolutely clear here that the, the vaccination. Uh, doesn't uh, stop one from either contracting it and potentially even uh, transmitting it. Uh, what it does is that if somebody has the virus, it mitigates hugely uh, the sickness um, and, and the, the outcome, as it were, in terms of it. So people can still get the virus and the virus is still very active, despite the fact that, you know, uh, people have been vaccinated. So it was a little bit of a surprise, but it was a false positive. OK, OK. And what is life like now in most uh, nursing homes now that most places are fully vaccinated? 
Yeah, look, there's a huge sense of relief, I can tell you, from the, the, the staff and, and, and um, owners and managers, uh, but cautious at the same time. And I know, I know from, you know, the easing of visitor restrictions over the last number of week, weeks, what we've seen is, you know, more, more people coming through the facility. So that's good, you know, that there's more activity. You know, we all, we, you know, we're all social beings ultimately at the end of the day. So social contact is huge. So, uh, you know, very much, uh, I mean, when I spoke to you, and obviously over the last number of months, you know, last year it was it was so difficult, then we got into a good place in the summer, then obviously January, February this year was very very disheartening again in terms of the, the speed of the transmission. So now we're in a much better place, but we need to keep it that way. And that's why, you know, while it is very positive and while everybody is, is vaccinated, you know, we still need to be cautious. Okay, and staffing, is staffing uh, no longer an issue? It was an issue at one stage with either staff being out sick with or people isolating. Mm-hmm. Has that all passed? Yeah, look, it isn't as pronounced, obviously. But, you know, staffing is a huge issue in, in the health service generally. I mean, we've been active over the last number of years on the requirement to have a workforce plan for the entire health service. And, like, what this has shown us, Patricia, is ultimately, you know, the staff who, who work in, in social care, like, there's no doubt they are undervalued. Um, so what we need to do now is, is, is ensure, you know, the, the legacy of COVID obviously needs to be about the older people, but also those who work with them. Um, you know, the, 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 the care, the, the commitment, the, the, the professionalism of staff in the nursing home sector is unparalleled in my mind. And we need to, we need to honour that and uh, value and, and support that as, as we go forward. Okay. All right, uh, Tyke, thank you for that. Uh, we'll speak again, but in the meantime, stay indeed. safe and thanks for joining us. Thank you indeed. Uh, good morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, Tyke Daly, who is CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland with that terrific news. If you have a loved one in a nursing home or res- res- long-term residential care facility from next Tuesday 4th of May you can be allowed up to four visits uh, a week that's news certainly well received by a lot of people John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, owners of dressers here in Cork are being asked to photograph them and send them on to be part of a folklore project. The man behind the dresser project is Wexford Michael Fortune, who uh, joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Uh, you're very welcome to the programme. Are you looking for dressers in all conditions or are you looking for them to be in pristine condition? Every shape and form and <laughs> dresser I'd be happy with. Ones in sheds and ones in, ones in kitchens. To be fair, you'll find a lot in sheds. A lot of men put their mother's dressers out in sheds. I found that around the country. So uh, any, 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 any state at all, I'm, I'm interested in, in them, yeah. And you want the background story where possible to each dresser? Yeah, basically, it's a, it's a project I've been doing for the last, uh, I suppose, since my, since my grandmother passed away in 2015. She had a dresser, and she basically, she left kind of conditions that her dresser wasn't to be touched after she after she passed away. So I suppose I kind of underwent a kind of a project in different different local authorities, um, and photographing dressers around the country, people coming back saying, oh, this is a dresser belonged to my mother, or it was made by my grandfather from, or my, my grandmother. And it's funny, you know, their last Christmas, I brought out a thing called the Irish Dresser and Folklore Calendar, and I had huge interest in Cork. Um, so that's spurred on this 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 leg of the project. The arts officer in County 
the county arts office has got me to do this for as part of the build in the program. So, but yeah, so I'm interested in why, rather than just the dry fact that this dress was made in 1848, you know, I'm interested in like why it was made, who made it, you know, like like the layers of paint, all the little layers of paint you'll find, and also the layers of the history. Um, and there, you'd be surprised, you'd be surprised that. Um, that, that uh, I, I was about to know one thing that actually struck me when I was doing it, and in fact, they're coming across. I'm after, coming, I'm after getting a few from Cork already, where the, some of the dresses were made as uh, wedding gifts, as wedding presents uh, mm. for their for their wives. That was a common one around, I suppose, 1900 to about 1930. There was a period there when men were making their wives wedding wedding present dressers. Um, so I've got some. So it was, it, so it was. It was almost known as the wedding present dresser. No. Yeah. <laughs> So the husband, the husband would have made it during the courtship, probably. Yeah, I know. What's the equivalent of that now? Is the next, is the next big question. Does IKEA account? A flat pack. And have many of these dressers survived and been passed down through the generations? Have you discovered that? I have. Yeah, I, I have. I found it... Um, yeah, I found this. Some people, some of them were made inside in kitchens that could never be be taken out of it. Um, <laughs> what they were built in the kitchen, so you'd have to break it up to get it out. Yeah, so such <laughs> a big ones. I, I, I've come across a few right ones off the Mayo where they literally, you, you literally couldn't, you couldn't take them out of the kitchen. Honestly, you, you, you took the, you took a saw to them to take them out. Um, I found a lot of men. Funny, a lot of men hung onto the dressers that belonged to their mothers and grandmothers. And I suppose I'm in classic case of that now. And you'll find them out in the shed. So you'll find them with tins of paint and vice grips in the drawers and that kind of stuff. So that's where you'll find them. But they won't, they won't leave the shed. And they're still, that's their, that's their last place. Um, I was really surprised about the, the connection that men had for them. That that that, that struck mm. me you know, when I was over over the years. But what's lovely as well as you see, Eric come here to me and see them. I even saw my own grandmother's dresser here from even looking at photographs from the seventies. Even though I was only born then, of it was practical. It was used every day in the kitchen for cups and saucers and everything else on it. But then come the nineteen nineties when she got presses. Just, it became almost like a shrine. So the children went over, you know, the, the cousins that came back from England brought over little presents or people brought little knickknacks back. So it became like a shrine almost, almost like a little shrine to their lives. But Granny in particular, she, and, and, and a lot of women have that thing that like the dressers, you know, it's the heart, it's the heart of the kitchen, it's the heart of the yeah. house, you know, you don't touch that. Um, but I'd love, uh, I've, I've about 22 or three car dressers so far since we put a call out, but I'd love if your, if your listeners could send, send me in some more photographs um, like the the, the 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 downturn to this, or maybe it's the upturn of it too. In some ways, is, is we I can't travel to take photographs, so people are actually taking their own photographs from me, send them to me, and then through little conversations I'm having them saying, yeah, you know, get a different photograph from that side or from that side, or yeah. as well. So people are actually helping me. They're actually researchers in their own way as well. But that's another little another little side that came out of due to COVID, you know. Yeah, because I saw your you put up a really lovely YouTube piece showing the calendar that you brought out that that, that you mentioned. Um, and the, every photograph tells a story. You could, you, you know, you almost wanted to dive into the picture. So every month when you turn over the calendar, you've got this gorgeous picture of the dresser, but it's it's everything else that's in the photograph that I was fascinated by. It's it's. But the one thing that struck me was the condition that these dressers are in. They, they obviously the workmanship and the type of wood that they used and how they were looked after. Yeah, and that that's what's lovely as well. Is you, you're, you're right. You'll, you'll, you'll even start to spot regional style, and that's the obvious. You know, even within a, even within a couple of villages, it starts to spot. Say there may be a carpenter, so there's a, there's a certain there's a, a 
two brothers here near near where I grew up, um, and uh, where I'm living now, and you'll see their particular dresser within maybe hour commute. Depending on how far Dunkey and Carr could bring you, you know, 15, 20 miles, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. And you'll spot their dressers. Um, lovely little features up in the Mayo dressers. And I'd love to start spotting some of the Cork ones. Actually, one I have one great Cork one. It's actually living in County Limerick now, but it's, not, it's a North Cork dresser. And it was one, it actually featured on the RT programme National Treasures when it was on there a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I worked on that as a kind of travelling curator for that. And there was a, this dresser had a, it was a spot, it had a little, little lift up, um, a little, little lift up front on it where you kept the setting hen or the setting goose. And, that, <laughs> and, that, and, that, and I try to explain that to someone else, but I'm a, a setting hen or a goose inside in your kitchen. And and over the years, then you can people modernise them by painting them. You know, if the kitchen changed colour, you could change the colour of the dresser. Absolutely, yeah. And I kind of like the paint. Funny, some people now they want to get them and they want to strip them back, but I like the layers of the paint. You know, creams and even where he chips off and you see a bit of blue or something yeah. underneath them. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. So do I. So do I. So do I. Yeah. Uh, Mary, one of our listeners, says, Patricia, I actually have that Irish dresser calendar hanging in my kitchen and it is beautiful. <sighs> Every month Brilliant. gives a lovely picture with the owner pictured alongside the dresser. There's so much china and bric-a-brac stored on them. You pass away hours looking very closely at the pictures. That's exactly the point I was making, Mary. And for me, I was trying to do it on YouTube, which was even which was even harder because it it strikes me as well with the dresser everything of value you know if you wanted to store something where to put it put it up on the dresser if you're looking for something <laughs> it'll be up on the dresser do you know what I mean it's 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 there's, there's something about there's something gorgeous about that everything was put on the dresser absolutely and, and, and it became the kind of exactly the dumping ground from 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 unscratched lottery tickets to yeah. envelopes to bills to yeah it's funny I remember a, a man in Carlo an older man man in his 80s they're talking about that and he, he looked he I, I was just he was looking back at the family dressed with the sister of the house now and, and he was able to point to a little glass he says to me he said there's a little glass I used to catch rabbits years ago when I was a child and any time I got a few rabbits and sold them on the money went into that and the money was used then for whatever it was but so it, it's powerful as you say when you spot those little things around as well um, and there could be little cups and saucers left from your parents that passed away or your grandparents or you know, they're, um, they're alive. I find they're alive. And, and they change too. They, of course they change. They change when grandchildren bring new stuff in and throw them onto it as well. Um, so they're, it's a lovely thing. And the great news is that this year there'll be Cork dressers in the Irish dresser and folklore calendar. Brilliant. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Brilliant. Do, do we know how long dresses have been a part of our history here in Ireland? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not an, an, an academic. This, I, God, I, just, I don't know. Claudia Kidman did a great book on Irish uh, dressers vernacular furniture there's been a few good books um, I can't remember the other man's name as well she did a great book on it um, but you know I, the, the ones that I'm going back to I'm t- I suppose you're talking 1700s anyway in 1800s they may have been earlier um, but uh, you know probably late 1700s and right up into the, the dressers that I'm photographing are I suppose late late 1800s right up to right up to the turning point in the 1950s 60s when we went from the very the, the dresser got the glass doors do you ever notice that yeah, yeah. got the glass doors and, and if you were if you were dead posh, there might have been a bit of stained glass in there. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you were dead posh with that. To cover up the cover up the mess, and then all of a sudden, the last of our dressers, which I find really interesting, too, were the cabinets. You know, the cabinets where you'd fall down, the door would fall down. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're very light, or they're falling apart. But they're they're all in vogue now again. Really? And you know those kind of ones. You know the ones, about those little ones where you'd, you'd cut the bread on them to become. I do, yeah, and it would yeah, close yeah. up, and you'd butter the bread on there. It always yeah, folded yeah. out like a little table. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were the last of them. Then we started getting presses and fitted kitchens and the rest is history. But there, you know, so there's a, there's a, there's a grand period there. Mine, mine will only go back as far as it's it, it, late, 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 late 1800s. But uh, I'm sure there's probably ones before that as well. Okay, listen, a listener says, I'm really enjoying your chat. You're evoking memories of my childhood. I remember my grandmother's uh, dresser. Uh, God be good to her. No idea where, where it ended up. The sister wants to know, can you buy dressers today? You can. There are, there are antiques dealers and collectors around and there's even people making them. I've, I've been saying this for years. I know some people are making them. I actually think there's a huge market. There's a friend of mine I've seen them for, for a while there. There's a great market like a cork dresser or a mayo dresser. I know you can't be that sometimes that specific but to base it upon a dresser that was already made you know the kind of way sometimes when people make up dressers they put extra drawers into them and stuff like that um, so there's a, I think if any furniture maker out there there's, a, there's definitely a market there I think for sure but you can get the original dresser the old dresser still certain antique spaces you get them I've come across a place up in Gort um, I'm sure there's places and there's a place up in Mayo as well where you get them loads the sad thing is and I suppose in some ways this hope, hope hopefully it work, this kind of work will raise interest in vernacular furniture furniture that we had that we threw out by the bucket load so many of our dressers ended up in America ended up to it all shipped abroad there were chests and tables and chairs and dressers in particular huge interest for them um, and we didn't have them and I suppose compared to me you can understand the two people came from you know grandmother always said she was 103 when she passed away ah. and someone, someone asked her about what kept her going she said hunger and hardship she said that's what kept her going um, so it didn't you know sometimes they, they didn't look back with the rose tinted glasses that I'm looking back you know that kind of way yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, different yeah. yeah a listener says I remember uh, my grandmother's dresser was full of the willow pattern plates and actually somebody sent in a picture and it, it looks like willow pattern plates on her dresser as well if I move I'm sure they're the willow pattern plates the, the blue and white it says this is my dresser it was built into my sitting room I wouldn't get rid of it for anything and that's exactly what you're talking about it was, you wouldn't get it out because it's right up to the ceiling it's, and, it's, and it's in and it's lo- I can see it in the kitchen and it looks the kitchen's gorgeous, gorgeous and modern but this uh, this dresser has been allowed to remain in place it's stunning it's absolutely yeah. uh, stunning. Okay, now you want pictures. So just I do. T- tell me, how do you frame the picture? How do you want it done and where do people send them? Please, Lord, I'm getting them. This is great. I'm delighted you're, you're giving me the time to tell this. If you can at all, send the, send the photographs to me to, at uh, folklore.ie at gmail.com. So that's the email address, folklore.ie at gmail.com. And what you can do from if you want to take some photographs, just stand back and hold your phone your phone's uh, landscape which is sideways um, and stand back and get a full shot of the dresser and then just uh, go up and get a shot of the side the top left the top right and just get kind of shots around the corners and, and from the sides of it and it'll all make sense to me the more photographs you take the, the more you send on to me I'll be the happier I, I'll be um, and it's just it'll be lovely we're going to have an event on the 20th of uh, May uh, talk as part of Belton with the Cork, County Cork Arts, Arts Office and we'll actually have some of the owners coming on and we'll get the chance to see all these Cork dressers and I'll, I'll give you I'll make sure to give you a shout as well in the, in, in the meantime. So please do, yeah, please do, yeah, and share 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 the findings with you. And it's a lovely way to do it. It's a lovely way to connect with people and to be part of that whole kind of project of reaching out and kind of uh, connecting all those parts of Cork as well. Because one thing I realise coming from Wexford, Cork's a big county. Yeah, it is huge. It is huge. huge. That's why yeah. we're blessed when we're we've got to stay within our county. Doesn't bother us because we've got a beautiful <laughs> county to visit. Will there yeah. be a 2022 calendar? Somebody wants to know. There will 100%, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was blown away. I got to get three reprints 
um, uh, last last year. I couldn't couldn't like basically I had about 120 dressers documented uh, documented, and they were on hard drives. And we had little small exhibitions in each of the counties before. But I said, what, what would be lovely is to make them physical. So the calendar was a great way. One great thing about the calendar as well, which is lovely, is I actually got to put in the folklore dates. So I got to put in when you open up a page, you've got about maybe anything from ten around ten little folklore dates, like put up the Maybush or don't you know little little Irish 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 calendar dates. That was a lovely chance as well. To, to add another layer of uh, another layer because that's what that's the most of the work that I do. I collect folklore. It's what I do for 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 a living. So uh, on film. So that's the 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 the, 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 the built environment and the, the way we live our lives is just part of that. Feeds that. Yeah, and you know, and I, and I know you referenced it on your YouTube video. It, the, putting it in a calendar was actually way better than putting it in a book. And that's not to knock a book because, as you've spoken with, there's many fantastic books out there. But I think it made it much more accessible to people and. It, people will look at the calendars and will look at the picture every month much more than they would do picking up a book. Absolutely. Come here. You're, you're, you, you, again, you, you nail it. I, I, I've noticed that. And it's funny, I've even noticed when I was looking back at photographs of the calendar, of the dressers, you'd actually spot a calendar to the side of some of them, especially the, country, especially the older ones. They'll always have a calendar still. But a calendar is that thing in your kitchen that you turn every month, you'll turn the date every month, and then you'll have a whole new uh, little a little selection of uh, verses and little rhymes and little dates. Um, but you're, you're right, I think that, that, worked, that worked rightly. Um, and I, 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 I'll add more to it next year. I'll actually, what I'll be adding, I'll probably because of our Cork pressures and the adding little dates in Cork you know a date maybe where you might visit a holy well or something like that or a pattern day well done yeah. well done and actually there's one coming up because of May Eve it's one that I write into my own calendar every month because every year I forget it if I don't put it up there's a lot of traditions around May Eve isn't there which is which oh. is Friday into Saturday morning Oh, May Eve is the big one of the biggest things. Like we we're we're here. I'm running a thing here in Wexford called the Wexford Maybush Festival. We've got the Maybush back. The, the Maybush it was done in Cork as well, in parts of Cork, more so over this side. Um, but there was a de- you put up a Maybush, a white turner, a bit of a gorse, decorated with eggshells and ribbons, and you put it up to keep the fairies away. That, that, that's, that, that was what the old people did to keep the fairies away. But now young children are putting them up because they like decorating things. But it's lovely. There's so much around May Eve. You wouldn't give away anything on the 1st of May. You'd, you'd give away your look for the year. You'd go, here's one for your listeners. Go out and walk in the May Dew on a May Day. That's it. It's the best thing ever for your feet. Or wash your face in the May Dew or keep the May Dew up for a cure. There's tons of stuff. No end to it. <laughs> I, yeah. Listen, I could talk to you all day, Michael. Uh, Caroline in Kilworth to sent on. Caroline, you should send on this picture to Michael. Uh, should I have no history from my dresser except I just, I know I bought it second hand about eight years ago. It is stunning looking. Wow. It really is is stunning. And someone else says, absolutely love hearing the memories that Michael is sharing with you on the programme today. My granny had a dresser with the drop. It was called a drop down, was what yeah. we used to call it, the drop down. <laughs> OK, so folklore.ie at gmail.com. Get the photographs uh, in. And I, when I was looking at the calendar that you put together for, for 2021, Michael, that must have been difficult to decide what goes into the calendar and what doesn't go into the calendar. Yeah, it is absolutely. Yeah, and you're trying to keep every county happy because we're working with five counties as well. Um, you're not trying to be favouritism, but yeah, of course it was. And you felt, yeah, you reward were loads, there were loads, and even come here to me. Three of the twenties something dressers that I have now already sorry there's some that are really striking and then there's more than which are just dressers that were made in the 1980s that's the other thing and they mightn't be the finest looking you know some historian mightn't be going mad over them but I think what's lovely as well is we've never got people's connection to the object and the memories that brings back you know that kind of way that, that you know even though someone may have a dresser and they only bought this to, 20 years ago but I had a lovely old dresser when, when I was a child or when I was growing up that's still that's still important those memories are important and, and they're, that's what's really valid 
this whole thing as well. Well, somebody, we somebody will look at a photograph and it will be, that was the exact same one that my granny had. You know, it'll, it'll bring people back and transport them back in time just by looking at a photograph of somebody else's dresser. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and spotting things on it. Just we'd one of those when we were a child. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Lister yeah. says, I bought a dresser last year. I had been looking for one for ages. I finally got one on Dundee. It's in my kitchen now, looking extremely well. It's fantastic. There's a great love of dressers out there, which is fantastic. Uh, listen, Michael, we, we definitely would chat again on the programme. It's been a real pleasure. Good luck with the project and thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. Great, thanks, thanks a million. Really thanks appreciate it. Good care. morning to you. Michael Fortune there. Folklore.ie at gmail.com. That's the email address if you would like to send on a, a photograph of a dresser. Let's see how many dressers across Cork City and County we can flood Michael with. Some of them might end up in the in the calendar, but if not, he wants it as part of an exhibition. So if you have a dresser, get, your, get out the phones and start taking the photographs, please. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Dan says, Patricia, listening to your show this morning, it is special to hear that our caring nature, which was always unique to Irish people, really seems to have returned with the dreaded COVID. Let's hope we don't lose it when things improve, says uh, Dan. Yeah, sometimes when you get something, uh, you know, as monumental as a pandemic, it can, bring out the, it can bring out the worst in people, but it certainly can bring out the best in people and trying to help people out and the respect level when it comes to funerals. I think that's what Dan was talking about with the listener who ended up being held up in traffic in the Mill Street area and just saying the level of respect people standing outside their homes just um, showing their respect for the person who passed away and uh, that way of offering their sympathies because gone are the days when you could queue up at a, a funeral home and shake the hand and press the flesh and give somebody a hug much as you'd love to do it. Now a couple of listeners are looking for advice please. Patricia I have three cats all of them are neutered. There's a stray cat rocking around the a- the area and he's attacking them. Does anybody have any suggestions? Now that stray cat sounds uh, like a feral cat. Is there any, has anybody any suggestions on how our listener can keep this male stray away? Uh, I mean, all I will say, I, as don't have your cat food outside. So there's something obviously is attracting the cat uh, to the area. What you could do if you could get onto your vet is try to get some kind of a cage and capture him and then neuter and release if you really wanted to because if that male cat was neutered he wouldn't be attacking the other cats but the fact that he's a stray he definitely isn't neutered but anybody else would anyone have suggestions for this listener trying to protect her own cats who are all neutered from being attacked by this bully of a stray cat who is uh, is coming into the garden and is in the neighbourhood and then staying on animals Kevin was on to us does anybody know says Kevin if dogs barking all day can that be deemed and classed as noise pollution? And if so, can you report it? Kevin lives in an estate and he said there's about 20 in the estate. Uh, I don't know if that means 20 houses or 20 people living in the estate, but he said there's a dog that is barking all of the time and nobody seems to be doing anything uh, about it. I'm assuming it's probably a dog that's left on its own all day and the owners are probably not even aware that the dog is barking because that often happens that you know and a dog barking is usually a sign that there's something wrong with the dog not necessarily that he's sick but that he's nervous or afraid and it could be that owners owner owners heading out to work blissfully aware that the dog is barking all day I don't know Kevin have you approached the owners of the dog to make them aware because if they're living in the house and they're 
they can't be in the house all day listening to the dog barking because if it's your own dog it would drive you scatty if you had a dog in the garden barking all day so I'm assuming that the owners are probably unaware that the dog is barking all day but anyway if anybody else got suggestions as to what Kevin can do and his original point can that be deemed noise pollution and if so can you report it if there's a dog barking all day long 1850 103 we spoke with um Michael in the last hour about calendars I really enjoyed my chat I love talking to people like that with folklore and, and the old ways and the old traditions and the old pishogs and particularly as we're coming up to May Eve there's a lot of people will still do things that maybe their parents or grandparents used used to do the old tradition actually when he said about the, the Jew the May Jew on the first day of May in our house my mother God be good to her used to say you, you were meant to go out and you put your hands on the May on the Jew of the grass and you were meant to rub it into your face and it was meant to be good for your skin I don't don't know if it's absolutely rubbish or not but Michael had a different one he said you rub your feet in it go out in your bare feet and rub your feet in the May Dew and it's meant to be really good for your feet as well so there's lots of sort of old fashioned traditions like that I don't know how many people still keep up any of these traditions or not but they're always really interesting uh, to hear about them but his calendar that as I say I haven't seen the calendar I only saw he has it up on a YouTube uh, post where he was talking about the calendars when they were on sale stunning to see all the different dressers and it's the detail that's in the pictures and it's you know maybe it's the nosiness in me I love looking at the photographs to see what's on the dresser and you know what's what's hanging on the side of the wall besides the dresser I just I think it's just the nosiness that, that I have I just, it's how other people are living and, and whatever and it's just it's fascinating to see what people put on their dressers and some people have you know the good dresser with everything all the good china is on because some of the listeners sent in some gorgeous photographs of dressers here in Cork so I really hope that Michael gets a reaction to our interview this morning and that he gets lots of photographs of Cork dressers because he's been doing this in his own county where he's from in Wexford he, he did a similar project in Wexford with the Wexford dressers and he did one in Waterford and I think he said he did one in Mayo as well so now it's the turn of us here in Cork so get your photographs of your dressers in to Michael please but Nancy in Bantry was listening to us talk about the calendar that Michael produced and she said she always loves to get a nice calendar every year but then when it comes to the end of the year she can't just throw away the calendars she loves to cut out the pictures and she's some of them framed particularly if they're nice wildlife ones she said I hate throwing throwing away nice photographs and yeah and you can get some really stunning calendars I love I know we did it last year again where we were trying to give shout outs to charities that had calendars and we got some beautiful calendars in in the run up to Christmas with the most stunning photographs in the calendars and Nancy you're right we could have cut up any of those calendars when they were finished and framed them and had them as really nice uh, photographs so there's a nice suggestion one that I hadn't thought about uh, before thank you for that uh, Nancy and then people that were out at the weekend and what was going on at the weekend with people dumping rubbish etc Mary was on to say well done to those in Skull who tidied up the pier yesterday following those who decided to drink on the pier on Saturday and Friday nights and guess what they left their cans and their boxes behind them and left the rubbish everywhere for the locals to have to go out on Saturday and Sunday morning to clean up. It simply is unfair that people have to go out and clean up after all this. It's really, really infuriating and that's not just something that's happening here in Cork. I saw that on various Facebook posts and Twitter posts over the weekend. Local councillors in particular were showing photographs of their areas. I know, for example, Portobello in Dublin 
revellers along the Grand Canal area, loads of them turned up, lovely weather for it. They were sitting out enjoying themselves. And of course, we are allowed to meet up with one other you know, group from another family. So, you know, people were allowed to do that. But people then left beer cans, bottles and all sorts of rubbish, left them all along the road of the Grand Canal in Dublin. They left them on people's window ledges. They were piled up on the ground. And one local councillor, I know, just, he put up pictures saying, you know, it's just it's just wrong what people uh, are doing. And then there was councillors from all over the country, again, sharing similar pictures. I saw one councillor saying, you know, people are, are tired after a long year and, you know, except that when the weather is nice, nice to get out and about and, you know, everybody understands why people want to get out and uh, meet up and people are sick of being locked indoors. But he said that's not an excuse to thrash the environment and it's not. If you want to go out and enjoy yourself and you want to bring your few cans with you or you want to have your nice bottle of wine or you want to bring your picnic, would you just please bring your rubbish home with you? It's just absolutely infuriating. And also in, um, oh, when we mentioned Kinsale and the toilets, now by the way, we are getting on to the council about the toilets. This was one of our earlier callers this morning, Mary and Carrie Galine, said the public toilets in Kinsale. She described them as dreadful. Now she said the problem was there was big queues outside the toilets because obviously Kinsale was, was very busy. Beautiful place to go with the gorgeous weather at the weekend. But she said when, they, when, you, when she got into the toilets, one of the toilets were blocked. And she said that was added to the queues because I see people couldn't use that toilet. And she said it was just, it was atrocious condition. Well, somebody, Maura, says that she was in Kinsale yesterday. Huge uh, crowds. She also needed to spend a penny. And she went into the into the toilet. She, she was in the queue for about 10 minutes. That isn't too bad. I'd queue up for 10 minutes. But she said when she got in, she said she could not get over the condition of the public toilets in uh, Kinsale. She said that when she was in there yesterday, three of the toilets were out of action. There was only one toilet in use. So I was wondering how many cubicles were in this. So there's four toilets. And Maura says when she was there, and what time it was yesterday, only one of the four where it's in working order. She said, it actually, it puts me off going anywhere at the moment, this lack of having public toilets when people are out and about. And I'm wondering, is it, is it putting off? Are there, are there many people that are, have been put off going out and about because you know when you leave the house that you may have to hold on to it until you until you get home. Ian in Glanmire said that he drove past Kennedy's Quay on Saturday morning and the crowds on the quay. He said, I wonder, is is it now time to say, look, open up beer gardens? And at least in a beer garden, they would be regulated. Whereas at the moment you have everybody out and about and there's nobody regulating it and there was, you know, crowd scenes. And I don't know, I, I certainly, and I, and I kept a lookout across the weekend to see were we going to get huge groups of people gathering in Cork. And I didn't, I didn't see sort of photographs, certainly of any antisocial behaviour except this problem of people leaving their litter behind. But Frank was on to us in County Waterford and is questioning when will our next lockdown begin? He said, after this weekend, surely it will happen. All those young people should be vaccinated because they are the ones who are spreading it now. They need a bit of normality in their lives, says Frank from Tallow. And I'm assuming he is in particular talking about the scenes that were witnessed at Salt Hill in Galway. Thousands of people had converged on the seaside resort over the weekend, which you would expect because it was a lovely weekend. And Galway certainly got the best of the weather. They had the highest temperatures. They were at uh, 20 degrees. Now, it really kicked off, though, on Saturday night because of the large groups that were gathered on the beach. I saw some of the video uh, footage and it was more than just people sitting on the beach 
you know, being out with their friends and whatever. I mean, there was a huge big gang of young people, hundreds of them all gathered around together. You can forget social distancing. You can forget anybody wearing a mask. I mean, all you needed to do was throw a DJ into the middle of it and they could have been on a beach in Ibiza having a great jolly evening uh, out. Now, obviously, the Gardaí were called... And they did say that yesterday they had a lot more Gardaí, much more high visibility on foot and car yesterday to make sure that the same thing uh, didn't uh, happen. But I mean, under the COVID-19 restrictions, people are allowed to meet one other household outdoors. But this was more than somebody meeting one other household uh, uh, for sure. Um, As far as I know, nobody in the Gardaí are conducting further inquiries into what happened in Salt Hill to see if there was any potential breaches of public health uh, regulations. Uh, They said there was was no trouble though but they did say there was no arrests uh, either so they... But they are still looking into see did anybody breach any of the guidelines. But Frank's point is, if we continue to get good weather, and we'd love the idea that we're going to get good weather, we know we've got the Taoiseach saying the summer is going to be outdoors. Frank is saying, is now the time to say, we're not going to stop young people going out and about, so just vaccinate them. We know that, you know, we're at the 60 to 69 year olds and it's going to eventually come down by age. It'll be people in their 50s will be next to be vaccinated, then in their 40s, then in their 30s. So we'll wait. Those in their 20s will wait a long time to be vaccinated. So Frank is saying, rather than us going in and out of lockdowns, because numbers will continue to rise if young people continue to socialise the way they did in Salt Hill, is now the time to take the bull by the horns and say vaccinate the younger generation. 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls. We are looking for questions for Annalise, please. Or you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103. Can I go back to washing your face in the morning, Jew? That uh, tradition I'd completely forgotten about until Michael Fortune mentioned it as part of his folklore uh, project. Bridget in Ballyvalan has contacted us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Bridget. Good afternoon. You remember, was it your parents used to do it? Yeah, me mum and dad. <laughs> every, every year, the two of them would go out early in the morning and they would barely tip the grass to take the dew off and rub their faces. Just now, just on the 1st of May? Just the 1st of May. It's okay. the morning dew on the 1st of May. Okay. And by God did it tell. Why? They didn't have a wrinkle. <laughs> I no, I'm not cutting. I know, I know. I'm I'm listen, I believe man. you. I believe you. <laughs> I'm looking at her here now on the wall. Yeah. And at this photograph, she was 89. Yeah. And I could take a photograph of that now and send that on to you. And you see if I'm cutting you. And was your dad the same? Daddy was the same. Yeah. Now, have you inherited their good skin? I'm wondering. Well, I have, but at the same time, you couldn't touch the morning dew now because you don't know what's in it. <laughs> it probably burned the face off. I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and did you, actually, yeah. did you ever remember doing it yourself? I do. Yeah. 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 And will you do it on Saturday morning? We always did it. Oh, yeah. Always and ever. But you kind of stopped. They're kind of traditions that are f- fading fast, aren't they? Yeah, but they shouldn't. Yeah, it's a pity. Because it, it is true, and I'm telling you, no, she. Just looking at her here now, mm. she hasn't a wrinkle. But did she have a good routine of looking after her skin outside of the maid you? Oh did my she... God, she always, she always loved her hair. Yeah. Her lipstick, her old shebang. She loved herself. Did she put on face cream every day? Did she moisturise? Pons. Pons. <laughs> yeah. Can you still get that? 
You can. Can you? And was you that can. all she used? That's all she used was the Pond's cream. When you look at how much money people mm-hmm. spend on face creams today, and yeah, your well, mother's... Yeah, you now, I have yeah. a good tip. Yeah. Milk and magnesia. For your skin? Yes. You put it on, you leave it dry. Yeah. And you know, when it tightens your skin... Yeah. Wash it off. And it's brilliant. Did you get that from your mother as well? No, no. I got that now from my sister-in-law in America that looks after all the wags. <laughs> well, you know, something I will go out and buy a bottle of milk and magnesia. Know, it is absolutely brilliant. It's got that... Tightening, it tightens your skin. It's got it that chalky it. taste off it. It does. It? Yeah. It does. And we got it as, we were given it by the spoonful as children. We were indeed, yeah. When you were constipated. <laughs> <laughs> That's my memory. It's, isn't, isn't that what it was used for? It was her tummy upset. Oh, it was a tummy. Oh God, it was only constipation in our house. Anyway, I should know something. I shall try that and let you know how I'm I get on. I'm telling you now and let me know. I will. And, but the morning dew, if, anyway, your parents yeah. definitely oh n- not a wrinkle. God. Unbelievable. We'll start a new campaign between the Milk and Magnesia so. and the May the and May the Morning Dew. <laughs> yeah. Look after yourself, Bridget. And you too. Thanks for Take your care. call. Bye bye. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non emergency and non medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.com. Castle Lines Community Draw is taking place on the 3rd of May, which is next Monday. Tickets are now on sale from all members, so you can get them online at the Castle Lines Parish Facebook page, and you're please asked to support. And St Vincent de Paul are having a collection in Dunstores Car Park in Bishopstown this Friday, the 30th of April. They'll be there from 8 a.m to 3.30 in the afternoon and like the collection that they had last week but this time they're moving to Bishopstown they're looking for donations of bagged clean clothing shoes, curtains soft furnishing toys will all be accepted and East Cork musicians will perform free online on next Sunday to help raise funds for Photo Wildlife Park the event will be live on www.facebook.com forward slash Photo are open. It'll start at three o'clock next Sunday afternoon and you ask to donate through the Photo Wildlife Facebook page, which is photowildlife.ie. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Certainly where I'm sitting looking out the window there's a beautiful clear blue sky it really is gorgeous and other temperatures not as high as they were it's about 15 degrees at the moment that's nice and pleasant Mary's in Nad and she says the cuckoo is singing on the Bagra Mountains this afternoon wow what a gorgeous gorgeous sound and uh, God knows we don't hear the cuckoo that often so enjoy that sound uh, Mary and our lovely listener the North Cork man who lives in Germany and he listens to us online and he's always a great man to send in a text 
text says, uh, Hi Patricia, I was listening to you there about people leaving their beer cans and their bottles around the place after heading out to enjoy the sunshine at the weekend. If the Irish government put a charge on glass and plastic bottles like they've done in Germany, all the plastic bottles is between 15 and 25 cent on every glass uh, bottle and it certainly stops the littering. You have to bring them back to the shop where you purchase the glass or the plastic to get your money back. It's called fanned on the bottles. I think Germany are the only EU country that does it this way. Why Irish can't follow suit, I don't know. Stay safe. And actually our... North Cork man in Germany was on to us earlier just didn't get around to your text saying great to see and hear that Ireland are getting back to even if it only is to a bit a small bit of normality it gives us all hope I haven't been home since the summer of 2019 so fingers crossed for next year but good to see that the zoos have reopened but I just foresee one problem the zoos are open here in Germany but you can only visit a zoo by booking online and you have to have a negative Covid test or else you're not allowed in. When you are inside even with your negative Covid test you must wear a mask. Why are the Irish zoos and parks not following this? It might help. Uh, You're not fully safe outside and a mask does help. It's great hope though to hear that things are opening up. I really hope everything works out and that we all managed to stay safe. Fingers crossed. Stay safe from your North Cork man in a very very sunny Germany enjoying the sunshine. Now I don't know about the zoos in Germany and as to the numbers that people are allowed in here they've limited the numbers and we do have to book online and I know there's a one way system I know I saw a photo we're on the TV the other day you've, you know, there's a near one way walking around all the inside areas are, are closed off so I think they're doing everything to make sure that it's done as safely as possible and there's much less capacity is allowed in than would normally be allowed in so I don't know if that's the same in Germany or not but Germany insisting that everybody entering their zoos must have a negative uh, Covid test one of the antigen uh, tests I'm assuming and I don't know when we're going to pick up on that in this country because I even touched on it when I spoke with Ty Daly about the nursing homes Ty Daly was one from nursing Homes Ireland from when nursing homes were closed to visitors and when they were reopening it, they were suggesting why not make it mandatory that everybody going in must have an antigen uh, test. I know the antigen tests are, 100, are not 100% but they do pick up cases of COVID-19 and I'll just give an extra bit of peace of mind. I don't know why and when we'll start introducing that and if we will introduce that in this country. On cleaning up after people, Anne says, would you say a big thank you to the Polish family? I don't have any names on this. They cleaned up Inch Beach in Whitegate at the weekend. Well done to them. Claire says, Hi Patricia, I was at Inchidani Beach yesterday and while it was beautiful there, the parking was an absolute mess. Cars were double parked, leaving very little room to drive through and anyone that knows Inchidani will know it's a one-way system. They definitely could have done with a member of Angardashia Corner R2 to direct traffic. At times it just seemed to be plain dangerous. Chaos wasn't the word, says uh, Claire. And actually Claire, I would dearly have loved to have gone to West Cork yesterday and to Inchidani, my favourite beach. But because I knew the weather was going to be good at the weekend, we opted not to go. I'm hoping to make a trip to West Cork for a day trip next weekend. But, you know, will I get to Inchidani if the weather's fine? No, because I, you know, I know what it's going to be like with the way people park cars and trying to get a parking space. It's just, it's, it's an ongoing problem, even without a pandemic, but it just seems to be escalated and even worse now with the pandemic. And hi, Patricia, this is a general comment in front 
from West Cork. West Cork was totally overwhelmed over the weekend with crowds. It was so bad here where I live. I only went for a walk yesterday evening when the crowds were gone home and I met many of my neighbours who all felt the same way. My neighbour saw a fella urinating up against his wall yesterday. People are just gone completely ignorant. The beach beside where I live doesn't have a public toilet. Yes, it was packed all day yesterday. Got me thinking, where are they all going to go to the toilet? You can't survive all day at the beach without going to the loo. There are there was an unbelievable amount of camper vans around West Cork at the weekend. Where are they putting their waste, I wonder? I was in a supermarket on Saturday evening and the amount of young people who were buying alcohol was unbelievable. I'm totally dismayed by the carry-on of some people thanking uh, you. That's a listener in West Cork at the moment. 1850 Hi Patricia, tell the person with the cat trouble to put pepper on his rear end. It will keep them away. I've never heard of that before. Somebody on the control of dogs. The listener has got the dogs barking or a dog barking in the neighbourhood. Patricia, there is such a thing called the Control of Dogs Act. I got a ruling under the Control of Dogs Act for that very reason. Dogs continuously barking. Uh, The dog had to be removed and the owner was told it wasn't allowed to be any closer than five kilometres from my home. So that person can report it and it's under the Control of Dogs Act if a dog is barking all day long. Hi Patricia on old traditions that we've been talking about with folklore. we shake holy water on the four corners of the land every May Eve, says Nora. Yeah, that's and actually we only touched on it with, with Michael when he said there's so many traditions associated with May Eve, which this year is going to be this Friday night into uh, Saturday morning. So there's one, the four corners of the land. And when we were talking with our, our who was it was on with me a couple of minutes ago, Bridget, who was talking about using milk and magnesia, never that on your skin. She got it from her sister-in-law in America. It's been to the bees, knees and the cat's pyjamas for tightening up your skin. Sheila says, talking of skincare, do you know that hemorrhoid cream is really good to tighten the bags under your eyes? Go try it. Court today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. On C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Annalise Trussell of the healthhubstore.com joining me on this sunny Monday afternoon to answer all of your nutritional questions. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And it's great to get a bit of natural vitamin D, isn't it, to get out in the sunshine? Absolutely, lifts the spirits in a way that the tablet can never do. Yeah, well done, well done. Okay, Eileen has been on. Uh, Leaving such student in the house, feeling under huge pressure and stress as the countdown to the exams. What would Annalise recommend to get him through and to build him up a little a little bit. She's thinking something on the line could he do with a good multivitamin or something to relieve the stress? What would you suggest? So there's a couple of things Patricia that I always every year recommend for the exam students. The first thing is, is a good tonic to keep them going because when they're studying very hard the last thing they want to do is get sick um, especially coming up so close to exams. So the source of life gold again is brilliant for that. The reason being is it's more than just a multi. They've got stuff in there for the immune system and it has got ginseng in there, which is brilliant for that little bit of spurt of energy, extra spurt of energy. So I would definitely recommend taking the Source of Life Gold um, from now until the exams are over. And then in terms of stress, there's a couple of ways you could go. The um, L-theanine and Lemon Balm Viridian is the company that do this. It's a lovely product if you can get your hands on it. It's in short supply at the moment. Uh, But L-theanine is an amino acid that's very good to increase calm and focus. So it works on the neurotransmitters in the brain that keep us motivated, that keep us focused and that keep us calm. So it's brilliant for stress-related anxiety um, and also brilliant for people sitting down to study for long periods of time because it helps improve their concentration. If you can get the Viridian one, I know that Higher Nature is another company and Salgar is another company. They also do L-theanine. So you could get that um, from a different company if you can't get your hands on the Viridian. The other thing that I find great, and I sell a lot of it coming up to exam time every year, is the cannabis oil. Um, And I know when parents hear cannabis, they think, oh my God, why would I be putting my child on cannabis? But it's actually not got any of the THC in in there. And new laws in Ireland now have meant that we have to be guaranteed that there is 0% 0% THC, not even 0, 0, 0, 0, 0.1, but absolutely 0% THC in the cannabis oil that's sold in the shops. So it's completely non-addictive and it works very, very quickly to reduce um, to reduce anxiety and to make somebody feel calm. So it's a brilliant one actually to do before going into an exam just to settle somebody and just to take the edge off that anxiety. So you could try the CBD oil as well. And then the last thing I'd recommend is the Higher Nature Balance for Nerves, which is a combination of magnesium B vitamins, L-theanine, which I spoke of earlier, and a few other nice herbs for calm and focus. But you'd want to be taking that for at least a month before exams because it takes a while for it to kick in. 
Okay, Margaret, question for Annalise, please. I have tinnitus, which at the moment is having a flare up, very uncomfortable. Can you suggest anything that could help quickly ease it? I'd be very grateful for any suggestion. And I didn't realise tinnitus is the ringing in the ear. I didn't realise that you get flare ups of tinnitus. Yes, I think so. And stress is a massive factor, Patricia. So um, there's people who suffer from tinnitus all the time. And that tends to be from hearing damage, um, you know, where the, the whatever has happened, it's been irreversibly damaged. And in terms of tinnitus as well, there's different types. Some people experience it more as a ringing or a buzzing. And some people experience it more as a kind of a whooshing sound. Um, and it's there. Un, unfortunately, there is nothing that gives immediate relief whatsoever. There is one supplement that has worked over the years, and unfortunately, it's been discontinued. I've literally one left in stock, and it's the um, Nature's Plus Age Loss Hearing Support, and that's a whole combination of different nutrients and plant chemicals that work on reducing inflammation of the inner ear. And if inflammation is the cause of tinnitus and vertigo is another side effect of inflammation in the inner ear and it brings it down, it can work at that level to reduce symptoms. And I'd say in terms of success rate, it's 50-50. For every person that got a good result, there was a person who didn't work for at all. Uh, But if you could get your hands on that, that's the Nature's Plus Age Loss Hearing Support. If you can find it anywhere online, that is the only one that's ever worked over the years for tinnitus for my customers. Okay, uh, Mary says, Annalise, can you still buy Symington's Dandelion Coffee? It used to come in a green package. Does Annalise know if it is still available? Yeah, it, it possibly is, Patricia, but at the moment everything is confused with Brexit. So we've got big holes on our shelves um, at the moment. Lots of products that would have been big sellers we haven't been able to get really since January. So if you can find it online, it's very likely, um, you know, in just over the last couple of months, it's likely to be a Brexit issue. Unfortunately, we don't, we're not always given an ETA for it coming back by suppliers. So you would maybe, I would suggest contacting the company directly. But I do think a lot of problems at the moment with products are Brexit related. Okay, Martina has one of those kind of personal issues. Says, could Annalise recommend something for a vaginal itch and soreness? I have tried canister and cream, but all to no avail. Could you recommend something? So there's a couple of things that can help with that, Patricia. And thrush is very common. Women seem to suffer from it a lot more, um, specifically after antibiotics. But a lot of women in menopause will suffer thrush more frequently. And some women coming up to their periods. But a lot of men suffer thrush without knowing it as well, Patricia. And oral thrush is another problem. So what, what you really want here is you want to work on it from two levels. One is to try and get rid of the yeast that is causing the thrush, that is causing the fungus. And then the other is to get some immediate relief. So in terms of the long-term approach, working to get rid of it, you need antifungal products like grapefruit seed extract, garlic. You can take them internally, but there is one lovely product that I recommend for customers, and that's BioCult Candia, C-A-N-D-E-A. And that's a combination of the good probiotics with some grapefruit seed extract and with some garlic. And the... uh, With the probiotic, you can actually insert a capsule vaginally and it will work much, much quicker than taking it orally. It can take about four to five weeks for it to have any benefit. So take one and insert one of those. And then for the immediate relief, you could get the Dr. Delish Care um, antifungal cream is very good. But there's a lovely one as well by uh, Salcura. The name of it is Topida, T-O-P-I-D-A. And it's a spray that's very, very relieving. It gives you immediate 
um, relief from, from the itch and from the soreness. And the other point I'd make as well is for people who are women who are menopausal age, because the skin, because the tissue can become very dry, you can be a lot more prone to cracking and um, and breaking and thrush. So that um, Dr. Delish Care Vaginal Dryness Cream is the solution in that case. Okay. Hi, I have a skin breakout on my face. It's around my eyes, eyelids and face. I think it might be a reaction to my makeup. I'd appreciate any help. I have a suggestion to calm it down and how would I be able to work out what I have reacted to? That's the million dollar question, Patricia. (laughs) We could always figure that one out. Um, I suppose, how could you work it out if you've changed anything in your routine recently? It's, that could be a possible culprit. And the only way to work it out is to wait for the reaction to die down and then try it again to see do you react. The funny thing is sometimes, Patricia, people will react to something that would have been fine a couple of months back. So it's very, very hard to pin down. What I'd recommend in this case is to go as natural as you possibly can. And when I even say natural, I would even be wary of natural remedies with... Um, with essential oils in there because they can be very irritating as well. So the doctor, Dr. Delish Clare does an irritated skin cream, which is wonderful. There's absolutely nothing in it um, in terms of essential oils even, and there's no chemicals. And there's some lovely calendula and comfrey, which is great for kind of healing damaged skin. So if you can get your hands on that, that's the Dr. Clare irritated skin cream. And then other than that, I would go for... Um, you know, maybe just a very gentle oil like a rosehip oil is always wonderful for healing. To calm, yeah. And it will calm it as well, yeah. yeah. Okay, question for Annalise, uh, please, uh, from a banter listener. Can you suggest something very strong to act as an anti-inflammatory for somebody suffering from arthritis? Okay, so the best products that I have seen results with over the years are the ones that have a combination of turmeric extract in there and sometimes Boswellia. The Solgar 7 was, is a great one if you can get your hands on that. Again, with Brexit, it's been gone from my shelf for at least um, six weeks now. But Solgar 7 is a combination of um, arthritis support in that it's got um, collagen and glucosamine in there to rebuild the joint, but it also has a blend of white willow bark, turmeric and Boswellia as natural anti-inflammatories. And it can work very well. There's a lovely um, one that I've just started stocking, Patricia, that I have great hopes for. And I've started to get some good feedback. It's actually an Irish company, so it's lovely always to support them. They're called Gal Vitamins, G-A-L Vitamins. And they do um, a, a cartilage and turmeric blend, which is really good for arthritis. So you're both supporting the rebuild of the joint and bringing inflammation down there. But I would have to stress, Patricia, that it's difficult with natural remedies to get an immediate result because they don't work to kill pain or to bring inflammation down immediately or to block pain receptors. What they work is at the root of the problem, so it takes a bit of time. So I always say to someone, if you're going the natural route, you do need to give four to six weeks. Okay, to to start seeing any kind of results. Uh, My husband said a listener suffers from Parkinson's disease. Uh, I'm thinking and wondering what would be the benefits of CBD oil for him and what dose would Annalise recommend? So the CBD oil is fantastic for some people from Parkinson's. It's like everything, Patricia, what will work for one person may not work for another. So I do have customers who found it wonderful. It means that they can write again. You know, I have one customer who was able to go back driving. Um, So if it works, it can provide amazing relief. I would definitely go for the strongest one that you can buy in your local health shop. Um, The one that I recommend here is the Cannabis Gold. It's 15%. 
and the dose is going to be very different for everybody. So I would start off by following the guidelines on the box, which says one one pump in the morning under the tongue and one pump in the evening under the tongue. Um, and if you're not finding a benefit of that, you should up it. And you may need to play around with it. It might mean that you'd need it once a day or you might need it four times a day. Everybody is very different. So give it a bit of time, but go for the strongest one first because there's no point playing around with a weak one. You won't know if it's just not going to work at all or if it's just that it's not strong enough. Um, And the lovely thing as well about cannabis oil is that it doesn't interfere with um, medication for Parkinson's. But I would just say that you can't take it at the same time as a medication. You need to leave medication, go through the liver on its own to get maximum effect from that. So wait at least one to two hours before taking your dose of cannabis oil. Okay, Alyssa is suffering very bad with her feet burning at night. What is the treatment? So there's a few things that are worth trying here, Patricia. And the burning feet and the restless legs, I, if there was a tablet that could fix that, it would be like the diet pill, Patricia. I'd make a fortune. So um, it could be one of a number of things. The first thing is iron deficiency can often cause burning, a sensation of burning feet. So make sure you're not iron deficient. I like to say to people, rather than take a supplement, try and eat liver once every couple of weeks at least to make sure that you're getting enough iron. But get a supplement that's got a gentle iron in there. You need it to be absorbed. If you, if it turns your stool black, you're not absorbing it and it's just going right through you and sometimes can cause a lot of digestive um, irritation as well. So there's a lot of easy irons that you'll be able to buy in a pharmacy or in a health shop. Try that. The other thing worth trying is the B vitamins. Um, that's very, very important for nerve system function, for making sure that the signals are being transmitted properly. So a B complex would be good. And then the other thing I'd suggest is magnesium. So you can get magnesium either as a gel or you can take it as a supplement. I like to think of if burning feet taking it as the gel because you can put the gel into the fridge and put them on, put it on, and it's lovely and cooling on the feet. And the magnesium gets right into the tissue there where it's needed. So try all of those. And if that doesn't happen, sometimes it can be a side effect of menopause. And I know that doctors can put people on um, amitriptyline, I think, and that seems to work well for some people as well. Okay, and the listener says, would you have a natural remedy for earwax, please? So the best thing for, there are a number of different um, products for earwax and some of them work to varying effects. So the two things I would recommend, one is an ear candle. I think a lot of the natural products don't really work. So the ear candle definitely works because it sort of heats up the wax and makes it less thick and then helps to suck it out. So if you've never used an ear candle before, just get somebody else to do it. Once you get used to doing them, they're They're very simple to use and they're great. The other thing that works very well is hydrogen peroxide, which is bleach. Um, But get it from the chemist. I think you'll probably get about a 5 or 10% solution in the chemist's. Um, so that you're not pouring bleach into your ear. Please do not put bleach into your ear. Get it from the chemist, and um, that's very good as well for stubborn wax. So you put it into the ear, and you need to lie down for about five minutes. You'll hear it crackling away inside in your ear. Uh, Give it at least five minutes, and... um, you know, obey the guideline as well. Okay. They say you should never put anything bigger than an elbow into your ear. Okay, all right. And everything we've discussed will be going up online and you'll also have it up on your website this afternoon. Thanks for that. Won't talk to you next week. Bank holiday talk in two weeks. Bye bye. That's that. Annalise Russell, the Health Hub, Times Square in Balancolic, healthhubstore.com. Some of your calls in. Somebody said you mentioned a closed collection in Bishopstown. I did. It's this Friday for St. Vincent de Paul. It's the Dunn Stores uh, car park. And and someone else says, Patricia, I am one of those uh, 
people that the, one of your listeners was talking about. We've got a camper van. We bring our rubbish home with us and we always empty our toilets at home. We were in West Cork. Thanking you. That is from uh, Paula. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul. There was something off on Jersey very quickly. I was in Jersey in 2007. I noticed this man going around in a small little vehicle with cleaning equipment. He was going around to all of the public toilets to go from one to the other to the other. Surely Cork County Council could employ somebody at the weekend to do something similar. That's why I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul. Nick with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.